Hi, this is Jill Jarris. From September 2017 through April 2020, this podcast was known as Olympic Fever. We've since changed its name to keep the flame alive, but we're committed to keeping our back catalog available to you. So please keep the name change and this disclaimer in mind as you listen to it. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Olympic Fever podcast is strictly for informational and commentary purposes. The Olympic Fever podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC. The Olympic Fever podcast is not a sponsor of the USOPC, nor is Olympic Fever associated with or endorsed by the USOPC in any way. The content of Olympic Fever podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. But rarely do you have to just learn something from zero, which I've had to do with rugby in the past year. Mesdames et messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Oh! You can do it! You can do it! Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! But that is an Olympic champion. Ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of Olympic Fever, the podcast for Olympics fans. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello, how are you today? It has been a rough week in the world of the Olympics, man. Oh my gosh. Wow, 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 wow. What a, what a, what a, what a day. What a week. <laughs> so the World Anti-Doping Agency, also known as WADA, their executive committee unanimously endorsed the recommendation of an independent compliance review committee talking about the Russian Anti-Doping Agency, also known as RUSADA, their problems. They've declared them non-compliant, and they said, you're out for four years, flat out. A surprise, but not a shock. How so? In that this is not Rusada's first rodeo <laughs> on being non-compliant. Right. And as we discussed earlier in the year, they were that whole cache of, they discovered of samples that had never been tested properly, and Rusada was fighting them on that. So it's just been what four years yeah basically because they first found stuff in 2015 because that's when the IAAF laid down the hammer and banned them from athletics so then they were mostly banned from 2016 right and at then least they the were... athletics at least the athletics athletes were but then right. and, and then 2018 Russia was banned as an as a country, though some athletes could participate. Right, under the Olympic athletes from Russia. Right. So it, it's just, and it's just Rusada is not cleaning up its act. And the Russian government is hardly pushing Rusada. I mean, right. they've come out and said, this is a witch hunt. This is everyone is against us. And this is an anti-Russian conspiracy. Which is amazing. I, I mean, like, they've proven time and time again that they can't be trusted. And even this independent review committee found, like, while they were getting 
the data from Rusada, Rusada is busy trying to cover it up and change results and falsify things. So it's it's just like they think they can play the game better than they are, and they got well, caught again. You know, this is one of those times where Olympic politics and world politics collide because here in the United States, obviously, we're having the impeachment inquiry, the investigation with Russian interference in the elections. And from what I understand, the the Russian media is spinning that as conspiracy against Russia mm-hmm. by the Americans. And now they're adding this WADA decision as another piece of that same story. Right. That by trying to ban Russia from these international sporting events, it's this big conspiracy led by the Americans against the Russians. So for Russians, they're seeing this as part of a much bigger picture, whereas we as Americans are looking at it, I think, just from the sports point of view and saying, Mm -hmm. people, you keep cheating and you're not even doing a great job of it. I mean, they were. I mean, to be honest, let's be serious. They had this going for years before it was discovered. Right, right. But at this point, it's like, no, I'm not holding anything behind my back. It's just give up the ghost on this one, Rosada. But nobody inside Russia is pushing for the Russian system to change. Except for some clean athletes. Right. So that's the big question is at Pyeongchang, athletes were able to compete as... Olympic athletes from Russia, the WADA and its agreement with the IOC have left that door open that they could come up with some sort of plan to allow clean athletes from Russia to compete, not under the Russian flag, not playing the Russian anthem. Not everybody is happy about that. Okay, so let's take a step back real quick and talk about what the consequences of WADA's statement are. So basically... Russians may not sit as members or uh, members of boards or committees of any members or uh, associations that are part of WADA. Russia's banned from the Youth Olympic Games, from the Olympics, from the Paralympics, or any other event organized by a major event organization, and they're also banned from world championships. They also may not host a major event. So I did see something about football and they're hosting some kind of continental event well they can continue to host that one but other major events and world championships nada so right um, because that that football event is like in six months something like that right right so the the idea is that would be a a hardship not necessarily for the russians but for the people who are organizing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. event to try and move it so they're right. going to leave that Right. So, and if they are hosting events that they're already assigned, they have to withdraw and those events go someplace else. So I, I didn't get a chance to look at how many events that already affects, but we'll figure that out. Well, certainly and, there's, you know, and I'll, I'll look at, I'll look it up for the newsletter. So go to olinfever.com and, and click on our newsletter and, and subscribe to that. That comes out on Tuesdays and usually has some kind of updates in there. I mean, certainly the first thing that jumps to my mind is Cup of Russia in figure skating. Oh. One of the major events on the Grand Piece not happening. Oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one to lose. Russia may also not bid for the 2032 Olympics or the Paralympics. And then at any major events, there will be no Russian flags. So another bit is that 
no member of the Russian Olympic Committee or the Russian Paralympic Committee may participate in or attend any major event, so they won't be able to attend 2020. The, or 2022, because it's right? four years. Yes, exactly, four years. And then the loophole is that athletes who are clean and they can prove they are clean may participate. And that's where we get into this, what will they? What flag will they participate under? So, but because it, it's supposed to be different from Pyeongchang, where they competed as Olympic athletes from Russia, that Russia is supposed to be taken out this time, and they will just be Olympic athletes. So I see why they did that. And... I have a million feelings on this. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, as I've said a million times, I hate anything that hurts the athletes. I mm -hmm. hate anything that, you know, because there are clean athletes that are competing for Russia. Mm -hmm. I mean, the country <sighs> is too big and the system is too big for everybody to be doping. Exactly. So those athletes are going to be penalized in one way or another. In addition, how can you prove a negative? How can you prove you've never been involved in the doping? So yes, you can prove at this moment, I'm going to give my samples over and I've never tested positive before, but that could just mean that all my previous samples were tampered with. So I'm wondering how effective this, the athlete can prove he or she is clean is gonna be. Because I know that with Pyeongchang, there were still questions mm -hmm. about some of the approved Russian athletes. Right. And I don't know. It's it's a tough road to go for them. And, I mean, you do have to wonder, if you're a Russian athlete, at what point do you say either I'd like to change my country or just move out of the country and train elsewhere and just represent Russia when it comes time for the games. Right, because I would think if you're not training in Russia, it'll be much easier to prove you're clean. Right, or have a not... coach who is not Russian or part of the system or something. Right. But, I mean, that's so hard to do. So the banning of the anthem and the flag, so we've gotten different reactions, obviously, from different people involved. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we have read and heard was some are comfortable with this and saying they got the balance right. That was a quote from uh, Nicole Stapstead, Stapstead, who is the head of the UK anti-doping. She said that the sanctions program gets the balance right. Travis Tigart, who's the head of the United States, wanted a blanket ban on all Russian athletes. So even within the anti-doping community, mm -hmm. there's... There, there's disagreement. The VP of WADA, disagreed with the head of WADA <laughs> as to what the sanctions should be. And one of the things people like um, Travis Tigart pointed to was at Pyeongchang, the Olympic athletes from Russia, hockey team won the gold medal. They raised the Olympic flag. They played the Olympic anthem. The entire team and all the Russian fans drowned out by singing the Russian anthem mm -hmm. and waving the Russian flag. And in many ways, thumbing their nose at WADA, saying, here's what we think of your sanctions. Yeah, I mean... So, but... Yeah, on there's the flip that balance. Side, I, but right. on the flip side, you're at an event where I'm sure the average person's like, this is my team, this is my country, I want to cheer on my country. Right. So, we've got athletes falling down on both sides of this as well. Mm -hmm. It is a tough situation and it breaks my heart that we have come to this again again and I, it's like how many times 
are we getting remarried mm-hmm. before we just stay divorced? Right. And and really, this also hurts the entire system because everybody is under more scrutiny. You can't trust anybody. Um, you get the arguments for, well, let's just let them all dope anyway. But that's not that's not the answer. Right. So in the Facebook group, one of our listeners commented, well, there's the argument that says we should just let import. We shouldn't have WADA. We should just have doping as it's no different than high-tech training devices or bikes or skin suits or any other scientific advancement. And any of those are going to be, but then, you know, I, I immediately answered, your skin suit's not going to kill you. Right. Like, likely, you know, (laughs) never say never. Who knows? It could be too tight, but, but you're, you're right. We don't know what the drugs do to a body. We don't know how it affects a body. Does there, you know, do you get an addiction? Does it shorten your lifespan? Are you going to get doctor drugs that are going to be worse? And it's just, there's, there's too many what ifs and it's your body. Why? That to me is not a good enough reason to take them, but I, I'm also old and, and not doing <laughs> well. I mean, like you, when, when you're in a very highly competitive and you want to win at all costs, sometimes the price you pay is worth it at that moment. Right. And it, it goes back to, and someone else said this in, in the Facebook discussion of we're imposing our values on the world saying mm-hmm risking your health or risking your long-term health is not worth winning for. Where some people would say that that's not true, Mm -hmm. that winning is worth it. And certainly we've seen coaches with all the abuse scandals where athletes were abused by their coaches, but they won. Mm -hmm. And they took the abuse because of being able to win. But I go back and say the IOC and we as a fans community – should absolutely mark a line in the sand and say, we do not support using these drugs. We do not support abuse. Mm-hmm. Because then maybe something, if you get enough backlash, something changes? I think so. You know, I think if athletes refuse to go to that football event in Russia, um, some athletes have called for boycotts if Russian athletes are allowed to participate. Oh, and you know, uh, the Russian boxing team has called for a boycott if they are not allowed to participate. So now the uh, deal is that Rusada has to make a a decision by December 19th on whether or not they will accept the WADA decision or they will appeal it to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. You know they're going to appeal. Yeah, exactly. So That's... likely we won't get a decision until March or so. Wow. Yeah, I know. And that's really close. Then you get really close to the games and people are really training up for this. Right. And then does that, I wonder, okay, so let's say I'm a clean Russian athlete, mm-hmm. but I am training in Russia under the Russian system mm-hmm. and I'm going to have to make, do all these things to prove I'm clean. Mm-hmm. Do you start doing that now? But then your federation is going to be like, no, don't do it now because then you're supporting this agreement that we don't sign on to. I don't know. I just start keeping my own notebook. Right. (laughs) I know. And then can they even do it on their own without help from their federations? 
and from outside, you know, how do you prove you've never done something? It's a good question. I mean, like, well, if they can test and retest samples, I mean, that's all they've got. The problem the here is I keep been... getting doctored and more doctored, but not, I don't think every sample has been. But even just, there's been a whole question as to the, the chain of possession of the samples. Mm-hmm. So even if the sample isn't doctored, they can't, you know, when they talk about chain of evidence in, mm-hmm. in a court case, there's no chain of evidence for these samples because they've all been in Rusada's possession. But don't you have some that would be in like events possession? Yes. Yeah, so you've got you've got that actual avenue to prove something. But that only would be so if you were randomly taken out for testing or if you were some of the winners. So if you're in that in between, you may or may not be able to. I don't I don't know. I mean, it's such a tough question. Yeah. And it's got to be super stressful for somebody who is clean to know and somebody I don't, it's probably stressful for someone who's not clean going, when am I going to get caught? Or somebody who doesn't know that they're not clean. Right. But someone also in the Facebook group brought up something that I, I think this is a good place to make us worry. Russian hacking for 2020. Oh, right. Listener Anthony had posted this really interesting article from Wired that talked about a hack that happened right at the beginning of the Pyeongchang opening ceremonies. And it almost threw everything out of alignment, so to speak, and and could have caused the show to crash, but they were able to get it back up and running. And the difficulty in figuring out where the hack came in, and it eventually gets traced back to Russia. So will there be retaliation in other ways from this decision if it goes through, or even if it doesn't go through, if they win their appeal, could you still have some people who are just like, forget it, I'm going rogue, I'm angry. I'll find some way to ruin Tokyo. Are we going to go back to pen and paper? Or should we? No, <laughs> no, oh my gosh, no. And, you know, are we going to have the guy on the side with his little fedora and a stopwatch because <laughs> you can't trust the computerized timing? It's... Oh, no. I don't know what they could get into, but we'll have uh. to see. Ah, anyhow, so that's the sad news from this week. We luckily have some good news. Thank you. Goodness. Yes. So that is that we got to catch up with our next Olympic hopeful, Lindsay Mayo. If you remember, we talked to Lindsay about a year ago, and she had just been named one of the winners of season two of uh, Next Olympic Hopeful, which is the uh, U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee's talent search that's also a reality show. But uh, they do identify hopefuls for some smaller sports. Lindsay was one of the winners, and she was chosen to do rugby. So we talked with her last year, right after the show aired, and and she was just getting into the sport. And so we wanted to catch up with her and see what happened this year. Take a listen. How are you guys? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm very good. Where are you is the first question. Uh, I'm across the pond in England. You are. I am, yes. I'm in the London area. So, yeah, a little bit of a time difference here. But, yeah, it's been a good time. So are you there for rugby? I am. I am here in London for rugby. I'm playing for a team called Richmond in the Tyrell's Premier 15s. Uh, which is the main league over here. It's one of the best 15s leagues in the world. So it's actually a pretty pretty cool opportunity. So I'm excited about it. Fantastic. Wow, that is great. So tell us how you went from Team USA's training camp to 
now playing for one of the best teams in England. Yeah, so it's been it's been kind of a crazy ride over the past year. I've actually played in several different countries, uh, which has been really fun. So I trained with the USA Sevens last year from September to about December, and then they just you know we had a conversation. They said, "Hey, yeah, we think you've got a lot of potential in this sport, but we want you to go and get a little bit more game experience that you might not get here." And I said, "Okay, yeah, it sounds great." So I actually ended up going to Dublin, Ireland to play rugby uh, from January to May early this year, then came back to the States and went to a uh, Sevens Rugby Academy in Little Rock, Arkansas called American Rugby Pro Training Center. And it's a full-time training academy for the summer, which is a really cool kind of setup because you uh, get the experience of training full-time if you haven't had that experience before. So trained there during the summer for about three months and through some connections at American Rugby Pro Training Center, I got the opportunity to come play here. And I've been here um, since September and uh, I plan to play here until the end of the season in May. So it's been a little bit of a whirlwind the past year, past year, yeah. Wow. So what's your relationship now with USA Rugby? Yeah, so we still keep up. Yeah, I still keep up with the sevens coach, Chris Brown, and I also uh, stay in touch with Rob Kane, the 15s head coach. Um, so, yeah, they we keep in touch, and they're keeping an eye on me. Um, we're just kind of in an area right now where I need to go get more experience with the game, and they kind of keep up as as I do that. So, yeah, it's it's a really cool place I'm in. So how are you feeling about rugby now? Because this was a new sport for you. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a completely new sport. When I went to California to train with the USA Sevens, I had hard, I hadn't thrown a rugby ball before. I'd never stepped on a rugby pitch. Um, so it was a really interesting experience, but I mean, I love it. I feel like it's kind of one of those sports. So like, as soon as I really started playing it, I was like, man, where has this been my whole life? I feel like I fit into this sport better than I ever fit into soccer, which don't get me wrong. I love soccer. I still keep up with it. I still enjoy it so much, but I feel like I fit into rugby a lot better than I ever fit into soccer, which is kind of a cool feeling. Um, I'm glad I discovered it at some point, but it, you know, kind of wish I'd discovered it a little bit earlier in life. Wow. How often do you play? Here in the Terrells 15s, we play every weekend. So with, with some breaks in between, uh, we, we take like right now we're on a five-week break because a lot of our players go and play for their national teams. So they take about a five-week break so players can go and play with their national teams and not miss a chunk of the season. So when we're not in those little international breaks, uh, we play every weekend, one game every weekend, uh, which is a little bit different than sevens because a sevens tournament on the weekend is two days long and you can play up to three or four games in a day. So it's a little bit different, but yeah. How how is it playing 15s versus playing sevens? Oh man, it's a whole different ball game. It's a whole different ball game. But I I really enjoy both. Let let me say that I do enjoy sevens and 15s for completely different reasons. Because the sports, both the sports, are played on the same size field. There's no difference in the field that you play on. You just have over twice as many people when you play 15s. So the game is played a lot differently. Sevens 
is geared a lot more toward just overall athletes. There's a lot of room to run. It's very free flowing. It's very fast paced and exciting. And the games are really short. They're only 14 minutes long with two seven minute halves. Whereas 15s, it's a little bit more complex. It's a little bit more like a chess match. And you have to kind of think a little bit more and kind of outplay the other team tactically. Um, So it's a little bit more of a mental game. So yeah, I really enjoy both, uh, but for very different reasons. So how is this fitting in with the rest of your life? You've obviously been a whole other country. You had a whole other career. So how is the rest of your life fitting around rugby? Yeah, yeah. So uh, my company is still being super understanding. Uh, While I was in Ireland, I was actually able to work remotely doing my rocket science job while I was in Ireland, which was really cool. And then when I came back to the States uh, and I was training at the uh, training center in Little Rock, I was able to work again remotely while I was there. So they're, they're being super understanding and super awesome, um, allowing me to continue working uh, while I'm playing rugby. Unfortunately, I'm not able to work right now while I'm in England, but yeah, whenever I'm back in the States, they just let me jump right back in and keep working remotely from wherever I may be, be it California or Arkansas or you know wherever. So yeah, it's, it's a really cool uh, opportunity I've got. Oh, that is fantastic. So I got to ask, in England, do female rugby players get paid? Some do. Some do. Okay. That That is a growing aspect of the game where some players do get paid. Mostly they're English internationals because in Ireland, sorry, in England, the RFU or the Rugby Federation subsidizes some of their salary. So they'll pay a little bit for them to be able to play professionally. Um, so most of the people that get played are English internationals. Um, but that is a growing aspect of the game where some of the bigger clubs are a, in a financial place to be able to pay their players. And that's kind of bringing along the smaller clubs too, right? Because you have to be able to compete. So slowly and slowly, more people are getting paid. That's good. What was it like to watch the Rugby World Cup? from there oh man it's so exciting right because here there's such a rugby culture here Mm -hmm. uh in england and you know a lot of people watch rugby it's the biggest sports are soccer they call it here they call it football Mm -hmm. um and rugby like that's that's it we have football and basketball or baseball or whatever you know you may say in the u.s here it's rugby and soccer so everyone was super excited and england ended up going to the final which everyone was you know went nuts about when they beat new zealand in the semi-final uh and and all that so it was it was really fun to be in a place that really has that excitement and that energy around rugby that we just don't have in the states so what have been the rough spots uh the rough spots um just learning, honestly. I mean, from the beginning of my rugby journey, I've kind of just been thrown to the fire, right? Because I had never played rugby before. And they're like, oh yeah, go train with the US Olympic team. Never having thrown a rugby <laughs> ball before. So I'm like, okay, great. So by the time I kind of you know, get a feel for that, they're like, okay, go play 15s which is a whole different game, like I said, in Ireland. So not only am I in a new country, but 
I've never played this sport before. And literally two days after I landed in Ireland, the team I was playing with said, oh yeah, you're starting for us. yeah yeah they're like oh yeah you're gonna start in our game in two days so yeah and then when i came to england i just had very much they completely changed the position i was playing almost kind of the opposite of what i had been playing in ireland so uh you know just kind of got thrown headfirst into that they're like oh yeah just try this, do that. Like, well, all right, here I go. So yeah, just kind of dealing with, you know, just kind of going with the flow taking things as they come and, and learning from square one, because, you know, as you get older, very rarely do you have to learn something from the ground up, right? Most of the time you have some kind of base knowledge, you have some kind of background, you've read about it, you've watched a little bit of it, whatever, but rarely do you have to just learn something from zero which I've had to do with rugby in the past year. So that's been a real challenge for sure, but it makes things fun, you know, cause you never know what's going to come at you day to day and what you're going to learn when you show up to training. So yeah, it makes it, uh, it keeps you on your toes. I'll say that. Well, it is rugby. It's not rocket science. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That was that was hanging out there. I like know, right I know. There. There's been many. You couldn't, you couldn't not say it, right? Yeah, I had to. So yeah. you, you do have a history of injuries. Have you been healthy the past year? I have had some small injuries, nothing major. Um, when I was in Ireland, I hyperextended my knee, which that kept me out for a little bit. But uh, it's all it's all perfectly good now. It's hunky-dory. Yeah, that's, that's about it. So... Um, I mean, rugby is a rough game, so you'd kind of be uh, remiss to expect to go play it and not get some kind of, you know, dings and knocks around, right? So uh, you really kind of have to go with the flow whenever it does happen because it's kind of inevitable. But, yeah. What is your view on having done the next Olympic hopeful now that you're a little further out from it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still think Next Olympic hopeful is awesome, right? Like, it gives pe- people and athletes from so many different backgrounds an opportunity to continue doing things they love, right? You have people like me who, you know, things didn't work out in their chosen sport. Or you have people like Ladaren who maybe never really did an organized sport and never really had an opportunity to be coached. And it kind of puts us all on the same playing level and gives us an opportunity to do something that we can love and, you know, have the potential to be good at, to be great at, you know, it kind of gives you uh, an avenue to really be great if you put in the work and you have the heart to do it. So I think it's an awesome program. Actually, kind of a funny thing, since since I've come here to England, um, England actually has a similar program called, I think it's called Going for Gold where they'll do events here and there for sports and just see if any athletes in the area want to try and pick it up. And that has uh, produced some success for them. So, yeah, I think more and more countries are are catching on to the fact that there are athletes that maybe do have untapped potential or they're just in the wrong place because of circumstance. And that can be a big talent pool to kind of tap into. So I think I think it's a great program, and I would love to see it continue and expand over the next you know few years. 
did Team USA contact you much throughout the year since you've won? To I mean, in the from the show. Yeah, yeah. So the I think the show is more of just a facilitator for the NGBs for the individual sports okay. to be able to find athletes. So I know I keep up with several athletes from Next Olympic Hopeful, and I know they're in constant contact with their specific federations. So the weightlifting federation. USA bobsled and skeleton, USA rugby, those athletes are still in contact with those specific sports, um, but not necessarily with Next Olympic hopeful itself. Okay. Yeah. So what's next? What's the, the long-term plan? Yeah, I'm still, I'm still kind of, you know, taking it season by season, but I am uh, thinking about, you know, where, I may want to focus my time in terms of 15s or 7s. Um, so, yeah, that's I am thinking about. If I'm going to stick with 15s, I would love to play here in England because it's a great uh, great opportunity, a great league, uh, great quality uh, in terms of rugby. And uh, I'm making some friends here. So, you know, it's nice to have that community. So, yeah, still just kind of feeling it out season by season and uh, going with the flow. My parents always make fun of me because they're like, we don't know where you're going to be in two months. <laughs> yeah, all my stuff is in their uh, their attic. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I came over here to England, I was like, well, I don't need my apartment anymore. And they're like, fine, just throw all your stuff up in the attic. It's like, well, thanks. So, will you make it home yeah. for Christmas? Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to no. make it home for Christmas. Yeah, I know. My mom is. Uh, my mom is a little bummed out about that one, but uh, Christmas is not going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah, we do have another international break from late January to like mid-March. So I am planning on going home for that period of time. So while I'm home, I'll be able to visit with my family. I'll do my rocket science, all that good stuff. And then, uh, you know, head back over for the rest of the season until May. So. Well I am a strong believer in redo holidays. <laughs> so last year, my daughter had the flu for real Christmas. And like a week and a half later, we had redo Christmas. So I think Christmas can be at the end of January. Oh, I'm for, sure for the Mayo clan. I sh I'm sure it will be. My mom absolutely adores Christmas and she loves like celebrating you so i've i'm all honestly kind of expect to like walk in the door from the airport and there's like an entire soiree like party <laughs> food there tree is still like, up i would not be surprised walk in and they're like Welcome back! you know i wouldn't would not be surprised at all so sounds fantastic yeah yeah she'll be she'll be happy to have her baby back on the same side of the ocean so always because you're always the baby no matter how old you get or how many rugby players you tackle oh yeah oh yeah absolutely no matter i mean she knows i'm tough and i'm strong but she's still just like now be careful you know, she, <laughs> typical a typical mom you know she can't help but worry and and all that good stuff so yeah i mean i've i have two brothers that i'm in the middle so i have an older brother and a younger brother and uh 
they they think I'm a little bit nuts. They're like, well, have fun, you know. <laughs> Good luck. So, but everybody's behind me, you know. It, it, they know that it's what I want to do and that I enjoy it and I love it and I want to pursue it. So they're 100% behind me, and you know they're they're learning about rugby as well. You know, every time I talk to them on the phone, they're like, okay, what about this? And what does this person do? And what's what's that for? And you know, so. We're on a we're on a rugby journey as a whole family, so it's fun. Excellent. Well, Lindsay, thank yeah. you so much for taking some time and talking with us. It's so great to catch up with you, and yeah, don't be a stranger. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Uh, you can follow Lindsay on Twitter at lindsmayo25 and on Instagram at lindsmayo. We'll have links to those in the show notes. And uh, the next season of the Next Olympic Hopeful airs on December 29th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC. Good way to spend a holiday weekend. It is. It is. So let's move on to our Team Olympic Fever update. Tofu. In our Team Olympic Fever Update segment, we hear what's going on with our past guests, and our segment is sponsored by PinCollector.com. PinCollector is the world's largest free online community for Olympic pin collectors, where you can easily catalog, value, and show off your collection. It's got a huge catalog right now, and it's updated in real time, so you always have the most current info. You can also buy, sell, and trade your pins there, and the rates on Pin Collector are lower than other line, online platforms. Platforms. Uh, you know, I saw this week that there is, or I joined this week, a Facebook group for Tokyo 2020 pins. And I had to like really bite my tongue to not go, why are you guys on Facebook showing off your 2020 pins and not on pincollector.com? Why didn't, why did you well, bite your tongue? Because I didn't want to be like, hey, I'm new to the group. Why are y'all dumb? <laughs> So I'm going to subtly put it in there like, oh, here's my 2020 pins. They're on Pin Collector. I'll figure it out because hopefully, I mean, like, I just think Facebook would be not a great way to do this. And Pin Collector's got a really nice platform. So join PinCollector.com and show off your collection today. You know, thanks to our pin, our partnership with Pin Collector, we have our very own Olympic Fever pin and if you become a Patreon patron or make a one-time $20 PayPal donation, you can get yours. And it's a great Christmas present or holiday present for your Olympic fan. It fits very nicely in the stocking. That's right. So, and for a very limited time, and I know the first round of packages went out this week, so maybe this is going to be a surprise to some of you who are getting yours. Very limited time, you will also receive a very cool vintage, authentic Olympic card with your order. And how do people do this? Well, they go to olimfever.com slash support hyphen the hyphen show. So All what's right. going on with our people? A lot of people have been hurt and sick. I know. Our judo expert, Jimmy Pedro, is recovering from knee surgery, but he was at the Patriots game this weekend. So he's he's up and about. Just that, that may or may not make you feel better. <laughs> and I was sorry to hear that Rich Perlman was ill for a little while, but he is, seems to be on the mend. So keep getting well, Rich. Yeah, get well, Jimmy and Rich. Right? It's bobsled season. The most wonderful time of I the year. Know. Uh, so we've got a lot of news on our bobsledders. The first IBSF World Cup event of the season happened and Lauren Gibbs was paired with driver Callie Humphreys. Callie was on Team Canada 
and just switched this year to Team USA. And so she's a driver and chose Lauren to break for her for this this World Cup event. And they won. And they had the fastest times in both runs. So that is very cool. Nice. Josh Williamson was paired with Cody Bascu for the two-man. And they placed sixth, which is also nice. Good. And yep. then who is back? I saw this. He couldn't stay away. No. Nick Cunningham is back. He hasn't driven since 2018. And he was in, I believe, a, a North American Cup. So it's one level down from the World Cup. So he got two silver medals. And he was uh, with a rookie as his brake man. So a great job. It was just, he's like, oh, it was just like being, I hadn't been away from the bobsled at all. Amazing. So. Well, he was, he's thinking about it. He's been posting on Instagram that he's thinking about a 2022 run. Yeah. So. He, well. It it doesn't really surprise me. No, no. And, and since he's got his track and field coaching, that takes up probably other chunks of the year. And it seems like to be a pretty good job. And I wouldn't to be in California. Yeah, I know. So now he's all warmed up and defrosted. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I miss being so cold. <laughs> the biathlon season is off to a roaring start as well. Our team did fairly well. In, uh, Claire did fairly well in the first World Cup event. She did place, I believe, 35th in the individual uh, but the mixed relay team that she was in ended up placing in the top 10 and then she was in the women's relay team that was 10th we have one little bit of tokyo 2020 news a new hotel is slated to open in the spring i know So there may be there may there be some may room be at the end. Available, <laughs> right? So we don't this... have to stay on Tan's couch. <laughs> well, maybe if you're T-Bock and you have Airbnb as your sponsor, you might be staying on Dan's couch. With but the rest of us, the rest of us, according to the Nikkei Asian Review, the Haneda Airport Garden will be opening in the spring, and it's got 1,700 rooms, so it's a big one. Get in there, Jill. <laughs> Just call them now. <laughs> you don't care if the reservation agent has a construction hat on. You just call and you get that room. No, oh, still working on it. It's funny because at the the Facebook Tokyo planning group, there are people who are still like, "Can I get a hotel?" And there's other people that are like, "I've been to a million Olympics. I never got a hotel before two months before the games." I think there's a lot of. What are you comfortable with waiting if you, you know, if you're too anxious? So we'll see. We'll see what happens in January and February. It's always Dan's couch. I, I would hope so. Or Dan's futon. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> or what are those uh, tatami mats? Am yeah, I saying yeah, that yeah, correctly? Yeah. 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 So <laughs> that's why I'm staying home. <laughs> All right. I will, I will be sitting on Allison's couch. <laughs> eating snacks, and watching Team Olympic Fever. I will, and I will be cheering and wearing my pin and probably live streaming stuff when we get there. So Excellent. we got plans. Excellent. Cool. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Let us know what you think about the WADA decision. Email us at olimfever at gmail.com. Call our voicemail hotline at 53070-FEVER. We're Fever on Twitter and Insta and Olympic Fever Podcast Group on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep the flame alive.
What a what a what a day. What a week. <laughs> do, 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 do.